Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Hey, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I'm Dr. Lisa. How's it going today? Everybody good? You know what? I uh, I think it's a really uh, optimistic time of year because people feel like we're in we're just about there on the spring on the springtime and uh, it's exciting it's exciting we're almost in April we've done this together we made it through we had that storm last week which was hilarious because it was like we all imagined it because it was gone before we even like got out of bed the next day. Anyway, thanks a lot for listening to uh, Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit on the greatest station in the entire universe, as far as I, I'm concerned. And I'm not the only person that feels this way, but Radio Free Brooklyn, go to our website, check us out, get to know us. We have so many diverse shows. We have the best programming, uh, RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash donate. Give us a couple of bucks. I want to tell you about this live event we're having, which is going to be so fabulous it's a week from today it's called um rfb presents first thursday at the well do you know we do this every month at the well which is a great place to hear music and uh this month we're having voreen strep throat and even twice those band names are killers huh so anyway uh it's uh starts at eight and it's at the well at 272 Messerol Street. Tickets are 10 bucks, unless you get them in advance for $8, which you should, and go to rfb.nyc slash tickets. And uh, I'm just going to summarize for you that uh, what the whole thing is about, okay? I'll say a few words. Post-punk rock of even twice, then strep throat, they're not afraid to leave it all on stage. And then after that, we'll be closing out the evening with Vareen in their deviant glory. There you go. Uh, please come. It's a great way to also meet music lovers and a lot of the RFB staff and hosts go to those things. And, well, you know, we're all really fabulous. But we'll, we we adopt people into our group like Matt. So show up and you'll instantly have like 50 brand new friends besides great music and uh, fun time. So today is a very uh, excellent day. I was just telling my guest, who is Karen Marston. Say hi, Karen. Hi, hi. Karen. We're, we're matching redheads sort of. Because uh, we both have bright red hair. Um, I, red mine's hair not natural. I'll say that. Is yours? It is today. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, Karen is here today because she, she has a great painting show that opened last week at... Uh, at um, The Owen James Gallery. Owen James Gallery. Look at me. I'm getting nervous and I can't find my note. And I'm afraid I'm going to fuck it up. Okay, so it's an Owen James Gallery, which is 59 Wooster Street, and the show is up until April 21st. And it's it's really um, a really, really special show. And uh, Karen is one of these rare people who is just really, really natural with the paint and the drawing and all that. Like a lot of people either struggle or develop in their own way, but 
when you see Karen's work, honestly, it's just that person has the gift. And uh, it's actually a lot more rarer. Uh, art people can tell it. And a lot of people can tell it, but you can't, but you'd be surprised how crappy, myself included, artists are at drawing or how they struggle with it. Even the cartoonist, the lovely cartoonist, huge New Yorker talent I had on last week struggles with drawing. Did you know that, Karen? (laughs) Well, (laughs) drawing drawing takes a lot of practice. (laughs) It does. It does. It's like, it's like, um, it's almost like playing an instrument, right? You have to do it all the time. I want Karen to describe the show that's up, but before she does that, I want you to know know a little bit about her uh, from my point of view, from my my side of the my side of the microphone, because I, I I I'm like Donald Trump. I, I've got I'm a, I got a bully pulpit no, to talk. I, stop, stop! I can talk about you. Like I can Donald. say anything I want. <laughs> Karen looks great today, by the way. She really does. But anyway. Um, so on my research, I've known Karen a long time, and uh, I mean, you can't not admire work, but she's also like one of those art people that you're always relieved to see because she's got her shit together, and you just don't, you know, a lot of us creative people have disasters constantly in our life, and Karen's just like a breath of fresh air, somebody that has, like, somebody that you want to get advice from, not ask advice, get advice from, not the other well you know you can she's she's great i wish i wish there i wish there were more art people like her really we would all be happier i'm telling you anyway so i did some research on her and as she said in another interview that she was idealistically committed to to uh with to art with no except with no expectation of fame and fortune and i think that this is a testament to her natural ability to make art that it's very pleasurable for her and very satisfying for her. And um, Karen really sees it as a, her, her, she, okay, so here's another quote. It's a Rubik's cube you keep turning, trying to get the perfect alignment of in, income versus studio time. And, to somebody like me, I find that very informative because what it's saying is that you don't need, you need to support yourself so you can make your art. But let's not like pretend we're going to get rich off of this. Let's not pretend that it's hard to do both. Let's not pretend this is the reality. And if you want to do both, this is the way to approach it. And I think that is, is, I think that's a, a universal truth honestly, that we just don't hear often enough. And a lot of artists don't acknowledge it often enough or are aware of that or think that. So I think that's really important. I mean, it's not not hard, but, you know, I may have been the last of the last idealistic generation that was taught to not expect to make a living from doing this. Well, I think it's certainly a much better place to start out. And I love that you said that um, in your where you went to school that they taught you how to get a job in the restaurant business or drive a cab, right? They I literally, I swear to God, it was, that was, that was they a career, career workshop. And I can remember the little flyer with the like s- silly little handwritten drawing, like how to get a job in the restaurant business. I just how love to get it. a job driving a cab. No one told us how to even like label a slide or write an artist statement, but that, we, 
<laughs> See, what I, what I also love about that is it's so much more real than the whole MFA trope where you think you're going to go to like Yale and then, oh, like $100,000 in debt, but no problem because you'll be getting a show at Gagosian the year you graduate. And there is that myth and art schools make money on that crap, right? Yeah, they do. Fuck that shit. We're, no, we're, 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 we're real. Anyway, um, I'm going to let Karen explain the work to you, but this, this, this to me, I just want you to know that this, this to me rings true more than, more than anything else. And it's true of Karen's work and it's true about human nature, I believe, for a lot of us because it's Karen's work at this point in, uh, involves the, is talking about environment, the environmental issues and, you know, big stuff like that and profound things like that. And I find it really painful to think about that. Like I personally, I love the Stormy Daniels storyline or the, you know, Russia investigation. That's really exciting to me. I, I, I can see that as a movie. And a lot of the environment stuff, the harder stuff that I can't control, I, am, I avoid. But Karen... Uh, in her press release says here, by capturing the drama and beauty of the increasingly devastating, and that's environmental events, the artist alludes to the truths that many people continue to ignore. So with that, I am going to have, turn it over to you, Karen, and can you tell us about the show? Tell, just go ahead, go right ahead. So the paintings look like this. <laughs> yeah, they're big. Yeah, you they're, go ahead. You they're go big, ahead. They're big. They're big and small. Um, and I, I researched this. It comes out of, I won't go too far back, but just. Well, what's know, the topic of the paintings? So the topic of the paintings are Arctic, is Arctic melt. And you and, went there. And I went to Newfoundland in Canada um, because it's the closest place you can go and see icebergs for real. How did you get to go there? I just went. Did you I, pay for your own trip? Yeah. No grant, no nothing. And no. you went by yourself? Um, a friend met me up there for part of it. And I have an aunt and an uncle who, uh, and traveled with me a little bit. She was doing um, a writing retreat in Maine. And so she ah. came up and. Was that a frightening, yeah. did you go, what, what month did you go? And it was 2017. It was 2017. It was in May. I also, oh, have, an, I also have an aunt who's an artist who lives in Nova Scotia in Halifax. I stopped mm-hmm. and visited her. How and, far is Newfoundland from ha- Halifax? Or um, I think it was like an hour flight. Oh, okay. So it's far, but it's not the North yeah. Pole? No. Um, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, this is like a $300, $400 flight. Uh-huh. It's a couple. It's like a couple hours away. I mean, I wanted to go to Antarctica. I spent some time looking, you know, fantasizing. You can, as a tourist, just take a cruise to Antarctica, but it they start at like twenty thousand dollars. Right, realistic. Right, and there are a couple artist residencies. Um, but I was too impatient to right. wait for like the year cycle yeah. of applying to something and hoping no to be that kidding. one person that got picked. I was yeah. just like, I need to do this, this now. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. This is a, this is what we need to do, people. Like if you want to do it, just do it. Just I mean, do it, right? I mean, I didn't have the money to go to the to the Arctic, and I. It doesn't seem like you needed to, though. Well, do you think it would have been? Be- well, it would have been interesting. It would have been different, but this turned out to be perfect because and and just valuable because I couldn't. I had it had been in the back of my mind as a back burner idea that the ultimate I've been doing 
forest fires and hurricanes and tornadoes and all these natural events that are affected by climate change and and, mm-hmm. and altered and 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 they they have this draw inherent drama to them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know how do you show melting ice in a paint like how how mm-hmm. how would I paint that? Yeah, right. You know, so it had and so the idea of how to how to approach it, I couldn't quite figure out. And so it had been sort of hovering in the back of my mind on the back burner somewhere for quite a while. Um, but when I discovered you can see them in Newfoundland, the interesting thing is it's not an Arctic environment. You're not in Antarctica or the North Pole surrounded by snow. So they're coming. It's like the iceberg. It's like meeting the icebergs halfway Mm-hmm. from where they're from mm-hmm. they break off the glaciers in greenland off the mm-hmm. west side of greenland and the way the currents work is it takes them a couple of years and they float across to canada and then they slowly come down the coast of labrador and newfoundland and then you know break up and melt and go out to sea they call it iceberg alley that's where the mm-hmm. titanic hit the iceberg oh interesting and so you're seeing them towards the end of their lifespan when they're just, they're melting, they're breaking. And they're how shrinking. old are these? They're like 15,000 years old. So crazy. And then they're just Gonna dissolving. Be gone. Dissolving. And so I thought like here, here is, it's just, here it is. It's, this is the metaphor. You know, mm-hmm. this is, this is, they're showing us what's happening. This is like, like help, help. We're melting. We're so melting. what was that like? You know? Was it They're a gone. scary They're... trip? Was it a cold trip? Where were were you comfortable? Was it like were you working outdoors? Um, it was. I tried to work outdoors as much as I could. It was springtime there. It was the last week of May, right before Memorial Day. When I got there, it was in the 30s and snowing. Shit. <laughs> it wasn't like sticking like deep snow, but it was like a flurry flurrying that's blustery cold. yeah windy you know i was like standing i would get out of the car stand on the edge of a cliff look at the iceberg and hold up my iphone and try to hang on to it so that it wouldn't get blown out of my right. hand it was yeah that it was physically it was physically challenging it was right just, it was challenging and i you know i'm a terrible photographer and i didn't think to try to get zoom lenses or anything i was just no. like you know it's like part of my note taking, you know. Yeah, because you're seeing it, and you can make sketches. If and you I need. had, yeah, I had a sketchbook. Yeah, I had right. my pencils. And yeah, so then you I would need to see it. I would sit in the car, and you know, when it then later in the week when it was warmer and when it got into the 50s and was beautiful and sunny, uh, I sat outside. And right, too. right. And I did some. I really enjoyed drawing in my sketchbook, and then I would sort of whatever I was drawing, then I would take a zillion from every angle, walk up and down the shore, like. To like mm-hmm. I was just sort of greedily trying to soak up as mm-hmm. much imagery as possible. How long were possible. you there for? Only a week. Mm-hmm. Like the whole trip was like ten. Well, days. your your show, as far as the subject is, although the paintings are diverse, the subject is fairly focused, right? It's so like, those are my icebergs. I mean, there's a I, I could easily the other disasters I've done. Obviously, you can't go set up and draw in front. Right. Of like we a know. Fire, we know you've so. done like incredible uh, paintings of fires and other dramatic natural events. Right. So, so with so with those, I'm scavenging, you know, reference material off the internet. But you so can but, also like if you need to look at a fire, you just light a match. <laughs> <laughs> That's what fire. How it kind of moves, or been, yeah, you know, you, we see fire. We don't see melting icebergs. I mean, you can stick a nice cube on your counter, yes. kitchen counter, but it is not the same. It's not the same. So um, what are the people, what is the environment like there as far as the people go? Are they aware, like the people that live there, are they aware where 
are they are they thinking about the icebergs also or is that something that oh, yeah. they take for granted or no they're they very they're super aware of it well they're very much um no i think it's very much part of the identity of the place and the consciousness mm-hmm. of the place um and they're and they are trying to sell it for tourism yeah, um, sure. Their their economy that used to be a fishing economy, and they fished out all the cod, and uh, things changed a lot there. I mean, you know, you can you can buy iceberg beer made from. Uh, it's hilarious. <laughs> Did you have any? Oh yeah. Is it good? Is it different? No. I mean, if I closed your eyes and didn't know, it's just like it's beer. <laughs> it's in a pretty blue bottle. <laughs> I like that marketing idea. So, uh, so do you think those people there are more aware of like climate change and all that stuff? Are they upset about it? Is it like when you see it does like, are you affected by witnessing that? Um, I would, I would think so. But were you personally? Oh, I I was. You were affected before you went and saw it. I mean, I was, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I had a lot of, I had a few, you know, nice conversations with people. People are friendly and nice. Um, but I can't presume to speak for everybody for how their no, consciousness no, is. No, of course I not. Did, I did talk to this, you know, to this one guy who grew up in the, you know, n- uh, more northern end of the island who said, oh, yeah, there's so many more now. It's absolutely climate change. Oh, so that's really scary because he's seen the change. Yeah, they've seen the change. I mean, the I took a... Um, they have like little tourist boat rides, which is about as two hours, mm-hmm. like my max mm-hmm. on a boat before I'm up checking over the side mm-hmm. of the boat because I get really seasick. Like I, I can't. Oh god! Oh my god! I can't do one of those residencies where you live on the boat oh. for a few minutes. No. Um, so I took my Dramamine and my ginger root capsules and didn't eat any breakfast and mm-hmm. barely made it through two hours. But, but um. Lost my train of thought. I'm sorry, because I moved your mic and then I interrupted (laughs) you. I want you guys to hear her clearly. That's all. Um, Uh, So you, 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 the boat. Oh, yeah. We're talking about throwing up. So, yeah. So the tour um, operator told me that it was the most icebergs they had seen there since record keeping began, like in 1902. Um, So it's. They were taught. I mean, every year is a little different because of the weather and the currents and the weather or whatever. But they're definitely seeing a huge increase mm-hmm. in the numbers of icebergs mm-hmm. because Greenland is melting. I mean, this is like they're seeing pieces of Greenland and mm-hmm. Gre- and Greenland's lost two of its four ice shells. I mean, the Greenland is like the it's I'd like to go to Greenland and see sort of the other end mm-hmm. of the um, pipeline of where their the timeline of where they come from someday. That would be a trip. So I'd do like you to take. feel like you're bringing a piece of that back like you're you're getting a chance to have people be aware of it or what what's that like to translate your experience into paintings and also want to hear about the opening and stuff i was there folks it was a fabulous opening karen thank you for coming but i want to hear what that was like making this stuff and then getting it getting it out to people i mean i i hope it affects people on lots of different levels i don't think super consciously on trying to be really didactic no i Um, I don't get that but it's it's uh i think it naturally comes through because of like an emotional response to it and the emotion that they create the mood of the painting weird looking i mean it's like seeing a spaceship or something because they just don't look like they belong there they're Mm -hmm. like they're white and everything else isn't Mm-hmm. And they reflect the light in such really interesting ways. Mm-hmm. Like I had every kind of weather from foggy, snowy, rainy, mm-hmm. sunny, blue skies, 
and they look different. So they look different every day. Um, mm-hmm. And even in like gloomy weather, they're like this glowing beacon mm-hmm. and they just feel really surreal. Um, there's just something otherworldly almost about so them. So do you feel like you maybe channeled them? I mean, I'm, I'm, this is my words, but it seems to me as if you sort of channeled that experience onto the canvas. That's I mean, what that's I got out of it. What I'm clo- most directly trying mm-hmm. to do. The pain and is, everything else follows from that, will the, come from that if you do that. One, one, one thing about Karen's work, folks, is that um, when I see her work, it reminds me why uh, it's worth, why it's important to go see some art, not all art, but some art you need to see it and witness it in person because the work. Oh, thank um, you for saying that. That's, I agree. Um, has an has a quality and an impact that it's almost like being in front of it is an experience. And I don't think you can say that. I don't feel that way about a lot of the crap I make. Not, well, whatever Stop. you call it. Good, whatever, good, bad, whatever. I mean, that's not... I mean, oil paint is something you you, you lose just a lot of nuance in reproduction. Yeah, and, and so the, it's, they're large paintings or there is a huge, huge paintings, the scale... The the experience that I mean, that's something that I think is really important to, to to everyone to remember is that viewing a painting is an experience. It's not something that you look at. It's an experience. And I think everyone who's ever been been to a museum or a gallery knows that in knows what I mean. You don't have to know a lot about art to know that. So this is one of those things that I think you should go see at the um, gallery on uh, 59 Wooster Street, the Owen James Gallery. You should totally go there. I'm not just saying that because the work's so good and because Karen's here, but, I mean, go fucking see some art, you assholes. It's really going to, like, help inspire you to do whatever crap you're doing is what I'm saying. Um, how how was your experience? I want to hear about how you felt at the opening. What was that like? Because this is oh, like how long you've been working on these. these I started, So I went I went to Newfoundland in May. Um, I came home and the first thing I did was just do some more drawings to try to figure out what I wanted to do. And I came home with this feeling of like this place is so expansive. It feels like you're at the end of the world. It's like, you you know, beyond Maine, beyond Nova Scotia, beyond, there's even this tourist attraction where there's a plaque on a end of a cliff that says you're at the easternmost point of North America, you know? It has this kind of end of the world, like really stark beauty to the cliffs and mm-hmm. stuff. And I, the views, is just like how open the water is and then there's these giant crazy things. Um, and I wanted to do a huge painting. I wanted it to surround you so, you, so that somebody could have wanted to communicate this experience that I had in this mm-hmm. place. I had this um, vision of doing something like the Monet Water Lily Room in MoMA, where it mm-hmm. just goes wrap the painting, just wraps around. Mm-hmm. And at that time, Owen was still in his small space in Greenpoint, like not much bigger than this room right. that we're in right now. You know, it's like a small, uh, you know, the size of my kitchen. And I. That's a nice size kitchen, but yeah. No, the old space. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, but still. No, it was about, well, whatever. You, a, a separate room is, a, a kitchen is a separate room, room. is a novelty That's maybe not, not, a, not a good analogy well, for New Yorkers, but you know. We know what you mean. We know what you mean. It was, uh, it was small. Uh-huh. And, I, and I went in and I said, you know, I have this cuckoo idea. Would you mind? <laughs> it's totally impractical, but this 
gallery is so small. Is galleries literally was eight feet wide. And yeah. I said, I want to go down one wall and around and surround the viewer with giant mm-hmm. paintings with uh, one big let image. Let me just ask you one quick question. So had did uh, Owen James have this on the schedule? You knew you were going to have this show yes, in yes. a year in advance, right? Yeah. So, okay, folks, just want you to know. So she's preparing. She's like, it's like, I'm going to make this for the show. Right. And so I said, you know, what do you think? Can I do this? And he was totally supportive. He's like, yeah, whatever the work needs, go for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, took measurements of the room and I had these big stretcher bars built and I start the paintings. And a couple months later, he says, well, uh, so I have some news. I'm moving and your painting's not going to wrap around the wall anymore. We're going to have one big wall for it to go on flat. And this 21 foot painting, right? Yeah. And can you do some other big ones to go with it to fill the rest of the room? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, what? When and did it, you hear that? What in month? The, in the fall. I think it was September, maybe. Wow. So that's six m- more. That's like the. And the show was supposed to be in either si- February like or March. Six more than six months. A wet, I mean, you. Less that than. Was, yes. Yeah. You. That was like more than halfway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's frightening. But but he was but also was saying, in a sense, I'm moving to a much bigger much more elaborate space in a awesome neighborhood too so guess what <laughs> i went to see the space and i was so excited oh yeah oh my god Fabulous. i mean i used to paint big i mean not that i've never painted that big before but over the years it shrunk down for a couple of reasons i mean i used to not be able to paint small and when i started painting plain air mm-hmm. something clicked mm-hmm. something changed mm-hmm. with the easel I, I like i had a breakthrough where okay. i was able okay. to do okay we're small. getting into painting nerd painting, painting nerd, nerd world okay 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 um but uh <laughs> i love you i can say that right <laughs> you can totally say that okay for the painters out there who understand no um but I hadn't been, also galleries are tiny in Brooklyn. I've been showing it with a lot of wonderful people. I feel really fortunate to have, you know, I have one really hilarious horror story from many, many, many years well, ago. It's, if a we have time, but, it's a but different this, take on where you're, it's like um, imagining, you know, like any, like, you know, you're setting up a nursery and all of a sudden, or anything where you have to make something and the space suddenly changes and you've it's been quadrupled, you know? Yeah. Right. I mean, I never had you know, for anybody not long ago. So, I mean, before a couple of years ago, I was like craving working big. And someone said to me, well, just do it. Just paint big and energetically. It'll draw a bigger space to the universe. Oh, to Jesus. You. And I what rolled of, my eyes. What like, a lot what of, of fucking crap. crap. Right. Yeah. Except that it, then it happened. So I just like I really wanted to paint big and he supported it. And the next thing you know, the space grew to accommodate it. <laughs> Well, I mean, I do think like you guys are like you have a great gallerist. You're you and the gallery and Owen James are great match in that like your his program and your sensibilities sort of like he just line really, up. He just but they gets line the up. He gets it, and so it would make sense that he would be thinking along those lines because that's the kind of work he likes, the kind of work he shows. And when he pictures your work, he pictures it in a bigger, you know. You, you, you guys were both baked I mean, it into fell, that. It fell, it fell, sometimes I feel like he's reading my mind. Like mm-hmm. he said to me, have you ever thought of doing like the Arctic? I could really see you doing that. And I'm like, how did you know I was thinking no, about yeah, that? You guys, I was thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, you guys and are he's good like, do it. He's like, you know, let's do a winter show. Go for it. Do it all mm-hmm. Arctic. You know, mm-hmm. so like, so I knew I had 
a home for the work mm-hmm. when I started the idea. Right, right, and right. So Which that, is helpful. It's helpful. It's interesting because it's n- certainly not how I've always worked. No, it's and it's new for me. But it's nice. It's, it's nice, really nice. But, you know, we, we don't work that way, but it's nice when it happens. Yeah. Okay, so... The so what happened? So did you have to then come up with a lot of new work, obviously? Well, interestingly, I mean, I had a lot of ideas. It was just like, can I realize them all in time? Um, Because when I was doing I was just working on that triptych and I was sort of trying to cram in everything I saw and loved and make it somehow like I almost had too much. You know, it's like, oh, I want this iceberg in it and this one and this one. It was like, oh, well, now I can that's this one can have its own painting. And now I can. So you were like, was it was it a relief? And was it like anxiety and a relief together or? Yes, that's a good way to do it. Simultaneously. Simultaneously. It was was like I was really excited that now I had, you know, the excuse to like explore Uh all the different ideas and I didn't have to limit myself to like, what can I say in this one painting? Was it overwhelming or was it um, where did you have any self doubt there? No. I mean a little bit, but but not really. Cause you're, you've been doing this for so long. I mean, I wouldn't expect you to, I'm just curious. Not, not I'm just too, curious because I panic when I panic about everything. So I'm just curious. Like, I mean, for for a moment, and more about the time frame. Yeah, the time frame. Right. I mean, you know, not the, time, the qua- not, not the content, that, the time frame. But it was like, holy cow! It's just like there can be no fooling around. You know, like right. this is like just seriously work. Stop everything else. Like no social life. No for six movies. Months, no you know? dinners out. Oh, not too many. I'm so, not going to see Lisa Levy again. <laughs> <laughs> there were people who I was just like. They're going to think I'm dead. You know, by the time I'm ready to promote the show, they're going to be like, what, who? Um, No, I... You just disappear from the scene, the art scene. It reminded me of something a long time ago, a friend of mine who had a baby and studio time became really precious to her. And it was sort of like you had to pay for the babysitter. You had to really like carve out that time. And Uh she said, when I get to the studio, she said, I don't have time to be blocked. No more (laughs) bullshit. Now when I get to... work and that's it (laughs) so let's do a station id did you know i have to do station ids here yeah cool so yeah so let's remind people what they're listening to what what station is this karen radio free brooklyn and what kind of station is it the best the best in the whole world in the whole in the whole universe there you go. There you go. Because you've listened to every station there is, right? And you know this is <laughs> you the can. Best. Hey, I have Sonos. You know, like plugged to the internet on my on my stereo yeah. at home. You really can listen yeah. to every station in the world. So thanks for listening to Doctor Lisa gives a shit. Go to our uh, hey, go to our homepage, uh, radiofreebrooklyn.com and uh, or dot org, and give us some money. Go to the donate page. We 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 are a nonprofit. It's all tax deductible. Uh, back to the back to uh, the Antarctica, back to back to Greenland, back to back Newfoundland. to Newfoundland. I had to, I had to learn how to pronounce it. I was corrected when I got there. Newfoundland rhymes with understand. Oh, Newfoundland. Oh, yeah. Those Canadians have their own way of mangling. They really, they're all Irish in Newfoundland. Are they? I didn't it was know. it was settled by Ireland. And so they have like some of the locals have this like really heavy, almost hard to understand so, accent. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they do. Yeah. I know. I mean, I've been to Canada a few times. They're, they're, they're different. They're a little different there. Uh, yeah. They're so nice. It's yeah. Like, they are wow. really. Yeah. Oh, so nice. <laughs> um, 
tell us about the emotion, the emotional experience of the art opening. What that was like for you when you finally got all that stuff out there after a year. What what was that like? It's a little bit of a blur, honestly. It's like I, I was. It's like this is your life. Like so many people came that I hadn't seen in a long time. Um, friends that I worked with years and years ago. Uh, a friend from college I hadn't seen in forever. It was like every. It was like every part of my life was represented my dentist came yeah, <laughs> how cute it. is that did, did he check your teeth <laughs> <laughs> and she didn't even nag me about flossing she just <laughs> looked at my painting <laughs> oh you know i can i can see some kind of trade going on there <laughs> free dental work yeah. um so was that like that's like having a wedding was it or 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 like some kind of major event life event was it a major life it's a major life event your family yeah. from la came no, my brother is here. He yeah, lives your brother. Here. My oh, brother, your brother lives, lives here. here. I didn't know That's that. the only like heartbreakingly sad thing to me is my parents were, were not there. Um, my dad's health just doesn't allow uh, for traveling. Mm. And they used to always come to everything. When, oh, I, when nice. I had my very first solo show in New York, they surprised me, flew across the country and just waltzed into the opening with flowers. Oh, fuck me. Those are like <laughs> ideal parents. Jesus, that's beautiful. That's lovely. That's they lovely. They was killing them that they couldn't be there. My mom was uh, like making me like, I had to, the next day, like with FaceTime, go give them the tour with my phone. Oh, that's <laughs> so, so sweet. That's brilliant. But they were there and they were there in spirit. Did they you? were there in spirit. So I guess your show's been up for a, a week. week and we know that artists aren't around their work all the time. But do you have any sense of the feedback or, or what kind of? Well, everybody either really likes it a lot or they're really polite. <laughs> well, it's all positive. But do you did you feel like the icebergs had like did, did people like um, did did people have anything to say about the environment or anything like that? I mean, if anything, I guess I think it there's something like really poignant about the work because on one hand, it's incredibly beautiful, kind of kind of like almost scary a little depressing dark like a dark night you know what i mean like a beautiful summer night but then so it has a sort of beauty but it has this sort of overtone of sadness sadness and i was wondering if that you got any of that back or i guess you did now because i told you what i got out of it (laughs) i've heard that before and i've heard that before about my work um, in other subjects too, so I think it's maybe a deeper through line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, and throughout the, all the disasters that I've painted, there's been that to me really interesting tension between something being really beautiful and really terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I guess that's question. it. Um, yeah, that's and, interesting. Yes, there's it's it's and I think it's the true original meaning of the word awe. Awesome. Interesting. You know that yeah. uh, nature is awesome, and we forget when we live in a city. Um, kind of insulated from nature, thinking we're in control of it all the time. Like we're hot, we're cold, we're turning up the heat. We're you know who made the weather, weather fifty vacations. today? <laughs> um, the like, weatherman. He's in charge. But you know, but like, but we we live in a really controlled environment where we think we're safe, and I think mm-hmm. that's why we don't think about climate change because it's too big to comprehend. It's like mm-hmm. you can comprehend losing five dollars. You can't comprehend the national debt. You know. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's too big, big right. it's too big and too out there but when you go out into nature you get confronted with it and reminded i mean us changing the environment it's sort of like 
I'm reminded of the old, the sorcerer's apprentice, you know, like we think we're in control of it, but it's gone. All the things that we've done have gone cuckoo. Mm -hmm. So I think what's interesting about your paintings is that, or your work in general is that it has an environmental, uh, political, a political aspect to it, but I don't feel like that's part of what your motivation, I mean, that's not a central part of your motivation. If people, it seems to me that if people get um, the environment, the literal environmental interpretation that we're fucked environmentally, that's cool. But if not, that's cool too. You're not like a being political in particular. Um, I, you know, I have difficulty. I think there's very little truly successful. I think making political art is one of the hardest things you can do. I read the newspaper every day and get really angry or really mm -hmm. sad. I cry. I literally, I cry when I read the newspaper. Um, and I, I, I care about all that stuff. And I just feel like sometimes like, oh, what am I doing? You Here literally I cry. Wow. I, I, really? Wow. Yeah, like, well, I cry at sad movies. I uh, cry you're at a crier. I'm That's a crier. Funny. I can't remember the last time I cried. <laughs> but uh, I, you know, but I don't know how to consciously, you know, programmatically make a, um, a statement. I think the most effective political work um, reaches people through emotion. Mm -hmm. Like, did you right. see the Leon Golub show? That's wonderful. No. Up at the Met Brewer, mm -hmm. paint, painting fans go quick, don't miss. I want to go on Saturday anyway. Weirdly under the radar mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. beautiful show. And so he's talking about all this, you know, about violence. Um, like his life's work is all about the horrible things we do to each other and, mm -hmm. you know, the horrible. Right. And, but they're, they're painted with so much emotion and I, right. I it's part of the conversation. So you're yeah. part, part, but I, but I, yeah, but it's, it's not, not like you're it's like letting it come through from a, from a background place or an under background isn't the right word. Maybe underlying well, that it's like the theme is very present is there, but it's not. Um, well, I think it's a really, really broad a huge, as you say, like an enormous issue that um, you relate to that to you. It's it, you have a personal it affects you emotionally. It affects you personally and emotionally. But that doesn't mean that you're trying to like do something to change everybody's mind or that you have that as a goal. Right. You're just yeah. it's personal to you. This is not a personal issue, but it's personal to you. Yes. Is that right? Yeah, you can say it that way. Yes. Okay. I mean, I watched the. Um, I recently watched the second Al Gore movie. The mm -hmm. the, See, the I follow up to, in, to the follow up to the Inconvenient Truth, and I was really impressed with um, how passionate he was about trying to affect positive change, about trying to accomplish something. Like whoever it shows him in these meetings, where people are saying the most aggravating thing. And he, you know, like being questioned in the Senate by idiots and he takes a deep breath and he's just like, I want to figure out what to say to move this forward, to change this, to affect this. And he try and he tries so hard to you can see him wanting to explode, but he's trying to come up with uh, some action to take that will change something. And I think like, wow, what am I doing? I'm just sitting at home making my, you know, like I, I, I'm just. Well, he's got a great platform because running for uh, president, like, will definitely get people to listen to you. Like, if you ran for president Son. and then put your paintings out there, I think you 
people would be like what what does karen think about this but you're doing you know i mean whether you're trying to or not you are adding a valuable um you know part to the discussion for sure so i wanted to before you came on here because i know you um i was we were talking i want to bring this out i want to bring this out because we had a little talk about this that i wanted karen to tell you guys about on the air because i think she's like this really shining example of uh, uh, a non-naval gazing artist, if I can, if I can say that. So I was asking Karen because I was wondering, like, how is it that we were talking about, you know, jump in here, but we were talking about how her work has very powerful emotion to it, but the emotion isn't, is about a big universal issue. And a lot of people do much more autobiographical work where the emotion is very simple to identify where it comes from as far as the artist goes. But Karen's work is emotionally, you know, it's just very, very big. And and tell us about the whole spot. You know, go do that. (laughs) Do that. Um, Well, I I mean, it's it's deeply personal. It isn't just it just isn't factually autobiographical narrative. You know, I'm not, I'm not kind of making paintings about what I ate for breakfast this morning or about, you know, what I, uh, what's going on in my love life. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm making paintings about things. I don't know. I, I sort of liken it to like, it's like you go, go through the world as an artist and like as a tuning fork, looking for what, or like not a tuning mm-hmm. fork. What's the what do they call that thing? Um, oh yeah, a where divining the, rod. Divining where they're looking rod. for where water is, and it's sort of like you carry it, you, you wait for something to electrify you and say this is important. Right. Uh, well, I also want to make this other point so that people understand where you are, what we talked about, where you're coming from, sort of from an emotional place, like as a child and shit, that kind of crap. So. You were brought up in a in a in a really like you were saying that you really value your family that you have a really supportive family. Yeah, I told you. I mean, about my parents coming to every opening, there they couldn't be more supportive. And have and that's always you've always you seem really grounded. Like you seem really grounded for the right reasons that it wasn't oh, like thank you. you. Really but nice. I mean, because you have a you had a a good family environment. And you were respected and not, this is the point, not all you people have to make art because you come from a crap place. And I think that is that you defy that myth, that myth that a lot of people hang on to that you've got to like have, I mean, you've got your own, everybody's got problems. Everybody's had. Well, we have problems as a human race on the planet. So there's, there's like larger existential issues which is being a human being in the world and just what's happening to the world so and we all experience some kind of loss and pain so i i think if you uh, make art honestly enough and dig deep enough you 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 into the sort of the pure emotion that's underneath the daily stuff i think i said to you that it feels like the difference between weather and climate there's climate is the big picture of what's happening to the warming mm-hmm. this thing of what's happening to the warming of the planet. The weather is just like what it's like outside today. Like when some idiot politician says, well, it's snowing today, there can't really be climate change. It's like, 
know that's the weather, not the climate. And so I feel like all my life I've been painting my internal climate, not my internal weather. So do you think that um, in a way that you're connecting, do you think that maybe your family may be part of the groundingness, and that's such a funny word here, groundingness of you of you and your family is maybe you all had a perspective that you of where you were in your role in the world. What did your father do? He um, he was a psychologist. No, oh. dad. <laughs> there you go. Um, and my mom's a musician. Oh, that's an interesting combination. Um, but she's she was a brilliant pianist. Um, but she stopped. She didn't pursue it professionally because she had a family instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, she still plays. There's, mm-hmm. I grew up with, there's two grand pianos in the living room. Wow. She has a PhD in music theory. She went to the Do best music school. No. <laughs> <laughs> she went, she erred on the side of trying too hard not to ruin music for us by cramming it down our throats. And I'm like, why did you let me quit music lessons? <laughs> and what about your dad? Did he work? What kind of work? He was um, a clinical psychologist, a behavioral psychologist, and he taught at the University of Southern California and he did a lot of research. He didn't uh. have private practice. He wasn't interested in listening to people's problems all day long. He was huh. interested in the bigger picture in research. Right. Like he did a lot of research on um, obsessive behavior about like um, like compulsive gambling and overeating, like the emotional reasons right. behind why people eat, a lot, a lot of stuff on weight control. But he did a lot of research. Right. So he's a scientist. And so you must, maybe you have some interest in science. Is that it? Do maybe you? you're asking may, uh, maybe did you just, uh, did you like science in school it was okay N- not particularly not particularly yeah interesting no but it's interesting um i could see how those people could turn you out <laughs> could come up with you um i mean i did look at my mom and think i'm not going to stop making art mm-hmm mm-hmm because because she stuck because she um, I mean, I, I, I don't want to sound ungrateful. She used to tease me and she's like, well, if I had that attitude, you know, cause I used to say, you know, I'm not going to have kids. I'm, I'm going to be an artist. And she was like, well, if I had that attitude, where would you be? <laughs> but she's really proud of me. And I think there was a certain, you know, like passing the baton of that. She took it so far, but then had a family and I was sort of determined not to get sidetracked from being a painter. I kind of agree with that, that you can't really be that. I I mean, there's a lot of people that argue with that, but I think it is really hard to be an artist and a mother if you're really going to do both very, very well, unless you have some really great way of combining them. It it looks hard. I mean, I know I know people doing it and they're doing it. And sometimes I look at them and I think, why did I think that was impossible? But it looks super hard. I mean, I think it's the hardest probably combination of things to do. Yeah. Um, I remember meeting a woman, the art school I went to, I went to the San Francisco Art Institute and it was an interesting place. There were people of all ages. It wasn't like a really traditional college environment. And so I got to be exposed to people. A lot of people came to art educate, to get their art education after doing a lot of other things. And I remember this one much older at the time, she's probably like my age now, student in one of my classes who said, I've, 
I've done a lot of things in my life. I've had a lot of interesting careers and I raised kids and I did this and I did mm-hmm. that. I can't remember what all her different mm-hmm. right. professions were. She said, I can buy, I did all kinds of things while I was raising my kids. She's like, boy, there's no way I could have been an artist at the same time. That would have been really, I don't know how that, anyone could do that. Right. I mean, obviously people do, you know, your phones will probably light up with angry mothers. Artists, mothers, you know, saying, <laughs> uh, well, of course I'm doing, you know, no, like, I, I know mean, a lot of, you know, people who are, but yeah, I, well, um, I, like the person on last week, Emily Flake is a New Yorker cartoonist and, um, a mother, but you know, she has a good arrangement. Her husband, they both work, they both work at home and they have one kid and it seems to, I mean, we can't make, but I, it's a feeling you have that feeling. I would identify more, with that it, feeling. It's that much more complicated to the Rubik's cube equation, you know, like I, oh, it just felt like it was going to be hard enough to figure out how to support myself and have time to paint. Like I couldn't, you so know, you like paint, a, you have to get to a studio, right? You have a studio out or do you work at home? Do you have a studio space? Live at work, home? live work. You have a live work. So, so are you. Do you, how do you carve out your time? Is it hard to do? Is it, is it discipline? Is it saying no to things or is it easy? Like what's your, what's, how's that work out for you? Well, but how, how do you do it? How do I do it? I, I, I've always done live work and I like that. Um, just it being right there accessible so that I can, you know, make my day however it needs to be. And what I do for money is freelance and I, and a lot of computer work and I just have to go a place to meetings occasionally, but so I can do that at home too. And that's also like a design my own hours thing. I mean, I'm consequently drift onto vampire schedule a lot. I'm not a morning person, but you know, it's, it's a pretty good life. I mean, I, <laughs> it all, you know, every once in a while I joke that like, I, I got to remember to leave the house. I'm having long conversations with my dog. <laughs> so you have, but you have started out, you know, your, you, your career is the success of your career is really that you <laughs> structured, you, you have, you have figured out a way to structure your time, what you consider, it, it seems to me what you consider success is part, or part of what's being successful is, is to figure out that life the studio time and money, earning money thing, the work money, work money. That makes it possible to make art. I always think there's two kinds of success. So you have to talk, you have to ask what kind you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, is the work successful? And that's the most important one to me, you know, is, mm-hmm. am I making the work? Is the work feel good? Is it going somewhere? Is it happening? Um, and then there's like the outside success, you know, which you have to acknowledge that you want, Otherwise, it'll sure. eat at you. You know, like we all yeah. need validation. <laughs> of course. You know, I have friends that like, well, if you were a football player, nobody expects you to be satisfied with tossing a football around in the backyard by <laughs> yeah, yourself right. for the rest <laughs> of your life. You know? Yeah, we all want an audience. You know, yeah. you want to get it out in the world and have it affect people and have a dialogue and, you know, be part of like not feel like it's like this hobby. Sure, sure. Um, but you have to kind of separate out like what's your ego wanting a pat on the back and what's what. You know, the most I feel the best when I'm engaged in the work and connected to it and liking how the work is going. And the nice thing is, is when that happens. Other the other other stuff kind of falls into place around it. Right, right. Um, I want I want the point I'm trying to make to you to you guys out there is that what Karen did, I think, is start out her work life with the vision of having being a painter and f- 
figuring out the money thing and making that work as a balance. And so her life is balanced. I mean, it seems to me Karen's pretty balanced. This is what I'm trying to tell you guys, because she figured she she would she knew at the beginning she got her ego out of the way. And in the beginning, you figured out what you wanted and how to make that work. You weren't like a frustrated, you know, graphic designer or a frustrated. Oh, hell yeah. I was a frustrated waitress. I was a frustrated uh, like production artist, I was a frustrated. No, but you weren't like no, I'm going to be the best waitress ever. Right. That's what I mean. You're frust. We're all frustrated. I mean, any job where you have a boss and you're making money and all that stuff has some frustration, of course. So, but I mean, you weren't like yeah. Like pr- my goal, my idea of success was: can I arrange my life so that I can keep making art? When I first moved to New York, I kept meeting art artists quotation mm-hmm. marks who, and I'd say, oh, what kind of work do you do? well, I'm not really actually making work right now because I don't have time and I can't get my living room dirty and I can't do this and I can't do that. And I thought, oh my God, I can't let that happen to me. Mm -hmm. You know, so I mean, maybe if I had had like bigger um, ambitions of fame and fortune, my career would be bigger. But my goal goal was just to like be an artist. Mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. to figure out how to stay an artist right so i think that that's a really good good example folks we got to remember this you know <laughs> you can't you gotta you gotta work that out um do people ever i mean do people ever because you seem to have it you know you have worked it out and it and it hasn't been easy i know it's because you you've been you've had the vision on how to work that out do people ever get like jealous or something like that do do the all the insecure artists go like what do you mean how did you find time to make that or how do you get to do that or how stuff like that do you find there's some resistance or or do or do you find like do you get frustrated with people who um wind up doing too much navel gazing and stuff like how do you fun how do you function around all those dysfunctional people don't they make you insane (laughs) (laughs) um I don't know. I like people. I like different kinds of people. I, 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 I sometimes it's funny, you know, when I'm around like my friends who are struggling artists who come over and are like, wow, how did you, you know, you're so lucky. Your, your studio is so amazing. I was really lucky. Um, and I, you know, took time out to make that happen really early on before the real estate boom in Williamsburg. Um, and then I'll say, compare my life to, you know, friends not in the art world who went into whatever in, in finance, or, you know, who are living some completely different life. And I'm, you know, the, the, the poor country mouse in comparison, <laughs> you know, so it's all, it's all about who you, who you choose to compare yourself. And if, you know, it's not, nobody profits from too much comparison. <laughs> Lisa, <laughs> <You know? laughs> remember that. <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not going to help you to spend too much time comparing if you catch yourself doing. I mean, we all do it. I catch myself, but it's like, you know. Yeah. Uh, were there, I mean, you chose being an artist. But you're you're obviously a, a bright, bright person. Is Was there other careers that you could have gone into, do you think? Sure. Um, but it felt like. Like what else? Like what were you good at? Why'd you fucking do this? What were you good at? I've wanted to be an. I've like I wanted, wanted to be, to be an, an artist, artist since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been so focused. I was. I was like, when I got to the art institute, I was only seventeen. I graduated high school a year early, and I was just like, this is just what I want to do. And I was the youngest person there, mm. and I got 
shit for it. I remember the first day buying art supplies in the school store back when people wrote paper checks and you sure. had to show your driver's license for ID when you wrote a check. <laughs> and this guy behind the counter who was all of 22 who looks at my driver's license and says, what? How old are you? What are you doing here? You don't go to school here. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I do. You know, and I was the only one like when we went out drinking that couldn't like get into the bars because I wasn't 21. And like so I was the, you know, but I was so directed, mm-hmm. you know, I just knew mm-hmm. I wanted to be, a, I mm-hmm. wanted to be an artist. So what? I didn't, I could have, yeah, I had good grades. I was a good student. I guess I could have done something else, but, but I it wasn't why. even, yeah. And did you go to see art a lot as a kid? Did your family go to see art a lot? Did you? How, who were your influences like when you were little? Um, we did go to see to see art a lot. Um, Where did you live? You lived in LA. I, I lived. Right? I grew up in Los Angeles, and for a year when I was ten, we lived in London because my Ooh. father had a sabbatical, Ooh. and so we got to travel around, and I got to see amazing art all over oh. Europe. So I oh. saw, you know, for whatever you can soak it up at that age. But yeah, I was exposed to a lot of art. Oh, was that exciting for you? That was, yeah, that was, that was really, boy, everything was so different. Everything was so different. Do you think that had a big effect on you? Probably. Yeah. Um, When I was a little kid, my parents took me to museums and sometimes I would find it really boring and tedious art museums. Did you, did you just take to it right away? I guess because I don't remember thinking it was boring and tedious. (laughs) No, you were just like, I want to go. That's very cool. And what artists... What famous artists that are, let's see, like are alive or contemporary, would you say influence you today? Like not, don't, don't, you don't have to mention people, you know, no one, you know, personally. Contemporary artists that I, I'm influenced by. Um, well, I thought you were going to ask historical and I had all this. Uh, okay. Well, you could mind. do that. Um, well, hist- I mean, historical now painting landscapes, you know, Turner, right. church, that kind of stuff is is really exciting to me. I'm trying to think about contemporary. Um, or is it mostly from that period? I mean, uh, you answer it however you want. Don't listen to me. No, you know. Um, I mean, truthfully, in terms of the, in terms of like my subject matter and landscape and stuff, I'm looking more historically. Hmm. I t- I'm tending mm-hmm. to look more historically. Yeah, like- I could see that because your work has a real classic... Um, it has a, it, it's sort of almost like conceptually modern maybe or more contemporary, but I guess it's grounded in that kind of classic. And has that always classic, what do you call that landscape painting? Uh, I mean, like, you know, the Hudson River School Mm -hmm. The I mean, Frederick Church did a phenomenal Mm -hmm. Arctic painting that he Uh researched in Newfoundland and he went there. I read that he pre-Instagram to promote his work, he took a writer with him who wrote Mm -hmm. a book about their travels. So I I was reading it while I was there about where everywhere they went. That sounds great. You know what? Oh, he did? (laughs) That's good. That makes you feel better, right? So, you know what? We're going to have to, we're going to have to go. We could talk about this for like hours and hours. I was like, how will we ever fill an hour? Are you kidding? I told you. I told you. But I want to make sure that everybody stays tuned and for Lost and Rewound with Elon Danziger, who's like an amazing guy. I hope he comes to first Thursday.